When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Profiler, Faithful and Betty Kiwoom, welcome to episode 21 of The Game Plan. I have such an amazing show lined up for you all today. We will be talking about usage trends and how to benefit from them in fantasy football. And if you were careful, did you catch that? I did say we because I have another very, very incredibly special guest for episode 21. So get out your pen and pad. Let's start game planning to win in our Dynasty Leagues. So, ladies and gents, today's guest is a senior analyst for Player Profiler. You have seen him on Player Profiler's Twitter, TikTok, and IG accounts. He is the host of the Prediction Strike Show on the Underground Discord channel. I'm talking about the man that made these overlays. I'm also talking about the social media coordinator for Player Profiler, Mr. Aaron Stewart. Welcome to the game plan, my friend. Wow. Wow. What an introduction there. Maddie absolutely crushes it. Man, has got me feeling on like cloud nine here. Thank you for having me on the show. Like longtime listener, first time caller, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> first time face to face caller, talker, exactly. guest. All In, of it. Indeed. You know, you and I have worked plenty of times together because oh, yeah. if you're on TikTok, if you're following both TikTok accounts, we've got player profiler. We've also got profiler underscore NFL. Mm-hmm. You'll see Maddie Kiwum driving while recording and sometimes you get the people going dude's got to put the phone down focus on the road but <laughs> this is delivering hot takes all know? right i'm glad you brought that up because i do need to say this i record <laughs> each of those videos in one of two places one leaving my neighborhood which is desolate no one's around or two i, I, I go on the way to the office which is the street that my office is on no one's ever on it and i'm going like 10 miles an hour so i'm not putting lives in danger but sometimes those takes are worth it i guess no Anyway, either way. And you know, the intro, I got to bring the intro fire because Matt Kelly, the podfather, he does the best intro in the game. The best. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, you know what? Sometimes you got to listen to those who are killing it and help. You know, take a little bit. They call it benchmarking in the biz, you know, benchmarking. So I go ahead and give my guests the intros they deserve. So, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the game plan. We're talking usage trends today and how we can use them to dominate in fantasy football. I'm super excited to get into it. So what, what do you say? Why don't we just dive right in? We'll dive right into it. And let's just start with like what usage trend is. And okay. in its simplicity, player profiler. If you go to player profiler, you're looking at all those advanced metrics. Mm-hmm. We know that they classify them as efficiency, productivity, and opportunities. Really all that I'm doing at its core is every single week during the season. It's a tedious task, but it's useful. I'm looking at opportunity metrics and mm-hmm. I'm documenting it. Like we already, if you followed us on Twitter, each week we would try to bring you a thread, like 15, sometimes more. Mm-hmm. Like these are the things you need to know for the upcoming week. So, you know, with usage trends, what I'm doing is I'll have tabs like in Google Sheets. So I can go like week one to week two, week two to week three, just going through and trying to see if I see any type of positive trend because mm-hmm. occasionally there's these players that seemingly come out of nowhere, right? But right. If you're tracking it, you can get ahead on things. You can maybe uh, if you've got a, a place on the end of your roster to stash a player, you mm-hmm. can pick them up and just know you're like, you know, things are going in the right direction. If something happens, this guy could be a big contributor in fantasy football. So usage trends, it's just using your opportunity metrics, right. tracking it week to week. And I'm pretty sure I have not used it. My apologies. But Data Analysis Plus, I think, actually allows you to do that. I just kind of do it the old fashioned way because I, when you're typing or writing or something yep. like something like that, you're able to just remember, hey, by the way, that player just the, the opportunities are going the right direction. It's like right. from you know, third to second to oh man, he's the leader in opportunities there. So call me old fashioned. That's how I do it. But it works. <laughs> old fashioned gets the job done. Hey, this mm-hmm. is, you know, sometimes old fashioned is the best way to go about it. You mentioned one reason why it's yeah. important because you can get ahead of waiver wires. You can get it. You can save on fab. There's a lot of things you can make trades. There's a lot of ways to win on the margins using usage trends. But give me like a big picture reason why the people listening today should really start to put this, implement this into their, their fantasy gaming. Why is it so important to, to utilize all of these usage trends that they can find? Let me give you a name. Samaje P. Ryan. Samaje P. Ryan. Okay, okay. Picking up your button down. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon goes down, right? Oh, man. Who's the backup running back? I know that here at Player Profiler, we love Chris Evans, right? He's the analytics starling. He's I did love him. Pass, pass catcher. Yeah, but like the thing is, like P. Ryan, boring. Completely boring. He's yes. been in the league for like five, six years. He's been on the Bengals. This is, I think, his third season. But honestly... You know, you looked at his stats coming into this year. You're like, he's productive. He gets the job done. And when you start tracking these things, you start to notice that, hey, if Mixon's not getting the opportunities, who's getting all of the rest? Samaje P. Ryan. So mm-hmm. even the third down work. And even to this day, even in the playoffs, like Samaje P. Ryan is out there running routes at the same rate as like Joe Mixon. So Samaje P. Ryan, you, you see these things. And we know that term handcuff running back, right? Mm-hmm. Samaje P. Ryan was a legit handcuff running back. The guy that you wanted, because when the starter went down, it wasn't Samaje P. Ryan splitting work with Chris Evans. Heck, mm-hmm. Chris Evans wasn't even playing. It was Travion Williams. But Williams would get like two, 
opportunities. And I should say opportunities for running backs are not just carries in receptions. It's, it's actually not perceptions, it's targets. So it was P. Ryan getting all of the opportunities. And lo and behold, I remember it. I was on mm. live for start sit questions. And I, if people don't believe me on this one, I got the clip. It's up on my on my Twitter. I can go find it. I got asked about Samaje P. Ryan, and finally I had to go. Samaje P. Ryan is going to be a top five running back. It was the week they played the Kansas City Chiefs, not this week, but when they played mm-hmm. the regular season, RB3. RB3, because right. getting all the work, high scoring game. Like you have to use Vegas a little bit sometimes, but just the opportunity trends there where if Mixon's out, Samaje P. Ryan's getting all the work. Oh, Mixon's gone in this game. Samaj P. Ryan was an instant hit. That's where you make the money in fantasy. And mm-hmm. over the course of the season, it can be tough to kind of see these things. And, you know, it's kind of like the true, what's the old saying? The, the, the big tree in front of your eyes blocks the view of the forest. And where you think it's tedious, you don't think it's worth it. But then all of a sudden, when you're like, am I really about to drop 50% on Samaj P. Ryan? Am I really about to give away a 2023 second rounder because I need a running back? Well, if you use the usage trends that Aaron's talking about, all of a sudden you get ahead of that, and boom, there's your running back. Now you're the one selling some RJP Ryan for picks because you're flushed with running backs. That's the type of thing that we're talking about. That's why it can be very, very important. My next question for the people listening, what type of tools do you like to turn to? You mentioned data analysis, but what other tools do you like to turn to to study these potential trends? How can you utilize them to, to really benefit from I'll say that data analysis really is the primary tool in, in all this, but sometimes it can also just be using, I, I see Cody in the chat there, like his cornerback rankings, for mm. instance. It's like when a player maybe like they they didn't maybe produce or maybe they didn't get a whole lot, like for wide receivers, maybe they didn't get a whole lot of targets. My, my initial reaction is to say, well, who did they line up against? Oh, mm. they lined up against one of my favorite cornerbacks to, to root for, Charvarius Ward, who is a dog, as Cody would say. You know, yeah. it's Ward was constantly one of the top cornerbacks. It's like, okay, like there could be some explanations on why maybe the trend went down a little bit for that receiver. But oh, he's going against I'll pick on this guy. It's been a been a few years, but I saw that he did play this year. Breon Borders, who I always refer to as open borders because <laughs> you're a receiver. You were just, you were always open guarded yeah. by Breon Borders. So, you know, it's like, oh, you're going against Breon Borders this week. If the things were still there, the routes run were still there uh, during the tough matchups. I'm like, well, guy ran 30 routes, but it's against Charvarius War. But this week he's getting literally the, the easiest cornerback matchup this week, I can go back to him. Right. I think that's smart too. And you can use these types of usage trends, not only for your seasonal leagues, but you can use them for DFS. You can use Mm -hmm. them for your propping, your prop bets. There's a lot of ways to use uh, these tools. And you mentioned data analysis on playerprofile.com. I cannot suggest enough. And yes, I may be biased, but it's for good reason. I was using it long before the game plan was in existence. The data analysis tool on player profiler is the place that I go to. to, There's just so many metrics, so many pictures that can be painted from all of these metrics you whether it be usage metrics opportunities uh, efficiencies all of these good things are all there so i'm glad you brought that up and it's definitely a great way to uh kind of study up and, and and prepare your 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 mind and prepare yourself for the moves that you make in fantasy and you mentioned using cody's cornerback rankings that's like mm-hmm. one of the most like underrated possible 
fantasy football uh, tools, whatever you want to call it, rankings, because it's like you said, all of a sudden, a guy who's had a bad game, maybe just by luck, by bad luck, then the next week he has a bad game because he's covered by Ward. All of a sudden, you can swoop in by the guy that you're, 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 that you're buying from. is like, ha sucker, he took him off my hands. And you're like, no, baby, he just had a couple of bad stretches. You are going to regret selling this player. So I like that. I like that you can use this in many different ways to benefit in fantasy. So absolutely. I, my next question here, Aaron. When does a trend begin to stand out? Because, you know, one can be an anomaly. Two can be a fluke. Where does all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's a red flag that I need to either capitalize on by selling or buying or whatever? Well, I would actually say, like, it can it can be as low as, like, two games. Two games, you can see, you can start to see a positive trend. Maybe you don't act on it. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes that's the difficult thing with usage trends is knowing when to pull the trigger on making that decision in in fantasy football. So, um, if the trend isn't big enough, maybe you wait for a mm-hmm. third game. My my fun story is DeAndre Swift, right? Who collectively, player profiler, myself included, I love DeAndre Swift. He got injured. And I'll say when it comes to injuries, the first game back from an injury, I'm pretty conservative. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you're not going to play the player that is playing his first game back from an injury. Let me see how they use him. I loved in week eight, they, they, he was right back. He was getting involved in the receiving game. And I was like, okay, like I, I think I've seen it. Wheels up. I recommended starting him in week nine. It was a dud. But like I saw like the trend kind of went back down. I think this was around the time that Justin Jackson was becoming a thing. It was a three-headed running back by committee. I was like, okay, not going to recommend playing him. Like if someone's desperate, I would always phrase it that way. If you're going to play him, just understand he's a desperate flex play. But – like three straight weeks, three straight weeks of being live on TikTok telling people, yeah, you know that player that you drafted in the end of the first round, maybe the start of the second round? Don't start. I would not start him. If I had money on him, I would not start DeAndre Swift. Three straight weeks of that and being correct. And then finally, it was week 13. It was Jacksonville. And seeing those trends where I had three games where I saw, I was like, the route participation's going up, snap share's going up. It was kind of a... A small increase, but it was three games that the trend kept going in the right direction. And I finally pulled the trigger. I said, you know what? Bold prediction. DeAndre Swift, top eight running back week 13 against Jacksonville, who allows the most receptions, targets, receiving yards to running backs. And I wasn't bold enough. He, he finishes RB4. So like mm-hmm. that's the type of things you can look for. It's the mixture of you're looking for that right matchup, but also you're like, okay, DFS wise, the players that aren't producing like those three games, it was eight points, 12 points, 10 points, but trending in the right direction with the usage. Then it's like, you know what? The price is probably cheap on DFS. I wasn't really playing DFS much this year, but the price is cheap. The matchup is perfect. And boom, things, things came together. It was like his best game since week one. Right, right. No, that's a, that's a great example. Uh, but so let me let's get into the weeds a little bit. Let's oh, people listening that you know that now we got kind of a big picture understanding of usage trends, how you see it, how do you utilize it. But now let's give them a, an example where you were able to capitalize and really, really, really get all of the rewards from the work that you put in studying the usage and all those metrics. Well, I'll start with some positives there because sometimes you can use those trends to make the proper decision to mm-hmm. sit a player. James Conner, James Conner, take you back. There was the week where Eno Benjamin, right, had like one touch, and we we're all like, that's kind of weird. This player that profiles like Duke Johnson, that 
pass catching. We've been waiting for years to get opportunities. Mm-hmm. Flashed a little bit, but suddenly one opportunity. All the rest went to James Conner. The following week, Eno Benjamin gets cut, right? But in Arizona, it was like, well, there's James Conner. Eno Benjamin was the only guy getting touches, but he stopped getting touches. And I know Keontae Ingram, like we kind of liked him a little bit, but let's be real, he was like, what, a six-round pick? Yeah, I didn't really have that draft capital. Yeah, and James Conner, I kept getting the the start-sit questions. James Conner or Alvin Kamara? And it's like, I know it's unsexy to go James Conner, but I was like, he's getting all the work literally from like, it was like week 10 to week, I think, 16. His opportunity share was amongst like maybe the top three running backs. He just got all the work. Mm-hmm. It was ugly. Arizona wasn't a good team, but opportunity is key in fantasy football and redraft. Like, how are you going to score points? Well, you have to be productive. How are you most likely productive? You got to be given opportunities. Efficiency metrics are excellent. We love them dynasty, but in mm-hmm. redraft, man, give me the guy that's getting 20 carries, getting a few red zone touches, Involved in the passing game. When Kyler Murray went down, I said, keep playing James Conner. You know, these backup QBs are going to freak out. They're going to be under pressure. And what are they going to do? Dump off pass to James Conner there. (laughs) So, you know, James Conner, you know, you never wanted to play him above bigger profile names, but he was, he continued to just be productive because his opportunity share, it was at least 75% over like a five game stretch there. 75% 75% was like the low. His opportunity share got up to like the 90s for some of those games, It's which is absurd. You don't see running backs used that much anymore. Like even the good running backs, you think of, well, DeAndre Swift. Like there was always Jamal Williams there to usually the best case scenario for Swift was he's splitting the work evenly with Jamal mm-hmm. Williams. So I just want to tackle on what you're saying. Just add a little bit more context because when he's talking about James Conner, this is exactly what each of you listening needs to take from this conversation, how to really, really benefit. So if you look at James Conner's profile, you go to playerprofile.com, pop in, check out his game log for the week. From week five, okay, he had a 34% snap share. He got hurt. Then he came back in week nine and immediately had a 72% snap share, which which was the highest snap share of the season. So then Aaron brings up week 10. And boy, oh boy, was he a stud from week 10 to the end of the season. He was getting 90 or better snap shares in all but two games, including week 17. And he averaged over 10 points. He, he was over, he was double digits each of the weeks, finishing as a top five running back, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. And never. Mm-hmm never finished outside of the top 16 in any given week. And if you were putting in the work, if you were looking at this usage trends, like Aaron talked, he brought it up earlier with DeAndre Swift, that first game back from injury can be such a tell how they feel about him coming back. And if you would have looked at James Conner week nine against Seattle, coming back from a, a three-game absence, he got a 72% snap share, which again was the season high. You could have made a move for James Conner and reaped the benefits for the rest of the year. So that is a great example. I'm glad you brought that up, Aaron. So now let's talk about the times where maybe you didn't act in an appropriate time. Maybe you saw a trend kind of building, but you didn't like the sample size is a little too small, or you wanted to wait to see if the trend would kind of buck, like pivot a little bit. So let's talk about a time where maybe you didn't act fast enough for a trend, and maybe we can use that for kind of a cautionary tale how we use this in 2023 and beyond. Well, in talking with James Conner in Arizona and it being like an ugly offense, it's not the offense that you go, I want to invest in. There was another ugly offense. 
Latavius Murray, right? <laughs> and I don't think anyone could blame me on this one. I was going 32 year old Latavius Murray, a guy that was on a practice squad for a different team. Mm-hmm. Now he's on Denver. Denver is not doing anything. I was like, Oh, what? I don't know. Like everyone was rushing out to pick him up as a free agent. Right. And I was like, I'll pass. I'll pass on the 32 year old running back. But <laughs> that first game, it wasn't a productive game. Like it was, it was mid, it was 10.8 fantasy points. It was, I forget which week that was, but like, it was like box score. It, it was okay. It didn't pop. But like the thing that I went, went with was like, Oh my gosh, he got like all of the opportunities in Mm -hmm. that backfield. There was only like 18, but he got 14 of them. Like percentage wise, it was huge. And, you know, over the next few weeks, fortunately he didn't like pop, which for redraft, like the key thing could be, Hey, a team is probably going to be like, I picked this guy up thinking he'd help me out, but like 10 points here, seven points here, another 10, 11 points after that. Mm -hmm. And I could do better and they drop them. Well, like those three games after that debut, like what I saw was like, Hey, he only had eight carries in this other game, but he ran 25 routes. Like then two weeks later ran 20 plus routes again. And I, what I took away from that and looking at it was like, okay, the trend is he's the preferred runner for Denver. But in these games, like one was against Kansas city in the games that Denver had no chance of competing He was running routes. So Mm -hmm. it's the things we want, the running backs that'll get carries, but also aren't going to come off the field in those negative game scripts. And I said, you know what? Like that is someone that I want. When I started having those questions the following week, it was a game against Arizona. Home game. Broncos were favored to win. I said, Latavius Murray's the guy that you're going to want to play. They want to use him. There's no game script where he's not being used. Yeah, he's not a great pass catcher running back, but just the pure volume of Mm -hmm. running routes, you never know. Like you catch, most of those catches didn't go for many yards, but you never know. You never know. He could get the one with the broken coverage and we're just playing odds here. So Mm -hmm. just going, this guy's going to get opportunities and he ended up with 24 carries. It's like, bingo, that's what we want. Like, yes, we prefer catches there, but I've really just kind of focused on the opportunity shares of going just any touch a player gets can be the one that they break for a touchdown. And that was Latavius Murray's best game. So I, I initially missed, but best believe when, you know, my league mates, if they started to drop them because there was something newer, sexier on the waiver wire and Murray didn't get it done. I was like, I'll take Murray at the discount. You paid, I don't know, 50% of your fab. I will maybe spend one percent of my fab yep. many weeks later and get the best game out of them. That's a great point too. Is even if you notice a usage trend, if you notice something going on and you're not fast to act, and maybe you you miss out, don't give up. There could be a second or third op- opportunity to acquire a player to add them in free agency. So if you are keen on a, on some sort of trend, some sort of metric is calling out to you, you see some good indicators, positive or negative, and you want to act. And maybe sometimes you could be a little behind the trend. It's okay. Don't give up. But that's, I think, another reason why it's so important to mm-hmm. use these trends, to, to get an understanding of the usage, whether it be in the passing game or the rushing game. Because all of a sudden, like you said, your league mate drops him because he has six points against Kansas City in a matchup we all kind of thought he'd be better. You scoop him up, you play him the next week, guess what? You had wider uh, running back 10 on the week. So that's an absolutely astute point. I like that. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. And the, so, 
No, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, keep going. Yeah, I was just like running backs were so wild this year. It really mm-hmm. was. Like we the, we finally saw the year of like Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara not putting up the numbers we're used to that mm-hmm. we've been spoiled, quite frankly, for many, many years of those guys putting up. So, you know, some teams were having to kind of play things a little differently. Mm-hmm. So, like, especially these usage trends were huge in being able to just make some like tough but smarter decisions. Right. Right. Okay, so we talked about 2022, some trends, some opportunities you took advantage of in 2022. So why don't we have some fun here? Let's have, well, I mean, we're having fun. Let's have some extra fun, a little extra. Everyone loves this. Everyone loves way too early predictions, bold takes. We love all that stuff. So, Aaron, give us and give everyone listening your way too early 2023 prediction, but something that's based on a 2020 usage trend. So I've got two because one will be a deeper guy, but I'll start with the primary one. Okay. I think people that have uh, listened to me maybe on Instagram Live or have joined for a lot of those TikTok start sits, there's a running back that I've done a 180. I initially was concerned because he missed okay. all of last season with the Liz Frank injury. Then he hurt his ankle this year, and I was like, I don't know. Like that's that's pretty bad. But the fact that like, he didn't miss any time and immediately, like we talk about like following the trends there, like I'm an injury guy. I will be cautious. And I was cautious that first week, but his team just fed him the ball all the time. Travis Etienne, Travis Etienne. I think we don't really appreciate how good the season could have been. Like he went through a little touchdown drought at the end of the season. So he only finished as I believe like RB 23 points per game. So Travis Etienne, my bold predictions, I go, he's going to be an RB1 next season. Like the volume was massive. Like on the season, you're just looking at his stats. You're going, oh, that opportunity share of 60%. That's only number 19 amongst running backs, but gets injured in week 12, then comes back, doesn't miss any time. Immediately from week 13 to week 16, he saw a minimum of 75% of the opportunity shares in that backfield. Occasionally you'd get like Jamichael Hasty getting some plays and Hasty was kind of good for this take of, I don't really think ETN's going to be super, super high in ADP next season. Cause Hasty would always have like the big play, but ETN got volume. He would dominate the backfield touches. He'd get the red zone work. Yeah. Coming out of college, we thought he'd be a much better pass catcher. He's not great, but it's just enough volume in the receiving game. And in fact, against the chargers in the playoffs, he hit his highest route participation. And that's what I needed needed to see to be completely sold of going next season, like ETN doesn't matter what happens in these games. They could be down two touchdowns, two plus touchdowns. They could be up two plus touchdowns. ETN's going to get all the work there. Number nine in red zone touches, number 15 in routes run. Like he had all the huge volume, but like his productivity, his actual points, mm-hmm. like RB23 people, people next season in a few months when they start preparing right they're they're going to lose the context of what all happened on this one which a lot of it's just bad luck with touchdowns like they're just going to see oh you know etn really didn't finish the season that strong and they'll forget about all this stuff and that's why you got to track this stuff so you can go back to your notes and be like no etn was the guy in the backfield and i i mean i don't think it'd be absurd for etn to to improve as a pass catcher next year. This was essentially his rookie season. Right. Okay, so buy ETN in the offseason, draft ETN in 2023, because mm-hmm. what are we looking at here? We're looking at usage, and we're looking at routes run. 
We do see a few under 10, but there was back-to-back weeks over 20, and like you mentioned, against the Chargers, 37 routes run. So there is more to his game, I think, than we're kind of got that that we got in 2022. So I absolutely like that. Now, if you if your league mates are listening to the game plan, which for your sake, I hope they're not, but for my sake and Aaron's sake, I hope they are. And if they are, they're not gonna sell ETN. You know, you're not gonna be able to get them. They're going to see this and go, good, I'm going to hold on to my guy, Etienne. So you're going to be looking, where can I get Etienne? Where can I root for him? He's not on my favorite team. He's not on my fantasy team. What can I do? Well, let me tell each and every one of you, listen, there's something called Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is an app where players are treated like stocks. You can buy, you can invest, you can sell. It's a lot of fun. You use real money. You can make real money. I am sitting here right now with the Prediction Strike King, the foremost expert in Prediction Strike, in my opinion. So if you want to get yourself some ETN or other players, you know, you know, I want T-Law. I want Jalen Hurts. I don't care if he's high. I want him in my portfolio. Go to Prediction Strike right now. And we got a promo code for you. If you use the promo code Underworld, you get a free, that's right, free player share with just a $20 deposit. Put $20 in your account and boom, you can get a free share of ETN. And if you don't have them in your fantasy team, it's okay because he can make you actual money on Prediction Strike. So, again, use that promo code Underworld and get a free player share with just a $20 deposit. So that's going to kind of wrap up the big picture stuff, all the big picture use of trends, why you should use it, why it's important, how you can benefit from it. Now let's go ahead and kind of dial in. Let's hone in and talk about some specific ways that we can use these usage trends to benefit in fantasy. So, We're going to talk about how you can profit when selling a player based on usage trends. So first question is, what trends will signal to you, Aaron, that they should be a sell candidate, that you should look to move on from them in fantasy? I think like it's going to sound simple, right? But like it makes sense is that when you look at these players and you just go, you know what? The opportunities literally can't go any higher. Mm -hmm. That's the chance to sell. Here's the perfect historical, um, I guess, evidence of that. We have to go back a few years, but you might remember this. 2019, Tyler Higby. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Tyler Higby? Of course I remember Tyler Higby. Final, final five games of that season. He put up absurd numbers. He scored at least 18 PPR fantasy points in each of those games. Had He, he had at least a 90% snap share running 20-plus routes run. He had 13 red zone targets over those five games, 13, like averaging almost three red zone targets a game. On the season, he finished with 19. People lose the context of going Mm -hmm. like, there was was huge debates that following offseason about, do I draft Tyler Higby? How high do I draft Tyler Higby? Mm -hmm. Losing the fact that like he went against literally the worst defenses against tight ends. But despite that, you go, what else do you expect from Higby? (laughs) Those opportunities were off. They were through the roof there. Like you weren't going to top that. Like that was literally the, the culmination of not just maximum opportunities, but maximum productivity as well. Mm -hmm. But sometimes even if the productivity isn't there, I've got Damian Pierce for this season. It's a tough one. I know like Damian Pierce. I, I I believe it was Noah, Noah that, that does um, Noah Hills who mm-hmm. does excellent off-season uh, articles about rookie right. running backs. I learned so much from it. Love his work. So 
Damian Pierce, uh, I believe was a running back that like he had put me on where I was like, oh, because doesn't really stand out too much when mm-hmm. you just pull him up on player profile. It has a nice comp of Chris Carson, but then the season, like early to mid season, it's like, wow, is he potentially the, the number two running back in this draft class? I mean, mm-hmm. Brees Hall was number one, but then Brees Hall was also injured, but he finishes the season number six in opportunity shares. Like, what what more do you expect from him? Of course, he was playing with Rex Burkhead and Dare mm-hmm. Ogan Buwale right? and Royce yeah, Freeman, the yeah. corpse of Royce Freeman. And, <laughs> and even though Pierce's season kind of ended flat, quite honestly, yeah. um, there were still a couple of productive games, and you might be able to sell the whole season. He's not going to be number six in opportunity shares. He's he's just not like I. Houston has money draft picks Mm. they're going to bring in another running back we don't know who but it could be through the draft it could be through free agency which this is a stacked running back free agency class Mm. he's going to have much better competition like i guess the theme for a lot of these running backs that dominate opportunities whether it's josh jacobs he was the high profile one is that they were in these running back rooms that didn't really have competition but houston's going to improve that so to answer your question there, it's it's just that simple concept of going, who are the guys that are dominating the opportunity shares that they're just not going to replicate? James Conner even falls into that as well. He was more productive, but mm. you know, with James Conner, it's in Dynasty, you trade him for what you can. He's not people never really want James Conner, and you might have to settle for like a mid to late second round pick, but if you roll the dice and want to go with it one more season. It'll be a year older. Mm-hmm. He's not going to, he's not going to have that stretch of games. He had from weeks 12 through 16. It was great when it happened. Like it helped you win and redraft fantasy football, mm-hmm. but next season's a completely different year. There's more turnover at the running back position on who's the top guys. Receivers kind of sticky a little bit running backs. Not so much there. So those opportunity shares, once it gets to a certain point, if it's not a superstar running back and you have to really limit who you classify as a superstar running back, for me, Pierce is, is replaceable, especially new coaching staff. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not their guy. Pierce may be productive, but he's not probably not going to see volume like he did in 2022. Such a great point you bring up because usually opportunity share, I think, is overlooked. Mm-hmm. by a lot of people because i think the you know the the opinion of opportunity share is it's it fluctuates it's not necessarily like year to year predictable but when you see that damian pierce is coming off a 73 basically 74 percent opportunity share like you mentioned sixth highest amongst qualified running backs then you go ahead and you look well what was he doing with these this opportunities well his true yards per carry was outside of the top 45 and his yards per touch was 47th amongst qualified running backs and his juke rate was outside the top 20 so you take all that you say he's getting a lot he's a volume guy if that changes i might be caught with i might be stuck with nothing so yes i do really think that looking at opportunity shares both ways can be a great indicator of a sell if like you said um, and no disrespect to damian pierce i have all, all the utmost respect for all of the players in the nfl but if you look at a mid-tier talent who's getting a lot of volume, I think that is a great indicator to to potentially sell on a player. So that's a, a great example here. Uh, I'm really glad, glad you brought that up. Now, I want to ask you a question, kind of a follow-up question. There are indicators here that we have just talked about 
on you know what who should be sold who should you look at your roster who can you sell based on these things but are there any indicators that you kind of need to be a little extra careful they might say sell but just a slight change here or there or a change a change in scenery new coat whatever the case may be mm-hmm. all of a sudden that usage trend isn't as important as we thought it could have been so are there any indicators that our fantasy gamers should be uh you know careful of when debating who to sell who to buy definitely and this comes with uh, i just highly recommend people to like track these games i know it can be time consuming but if you mm-hmm. want to become like an expert a, a top-notch analyst like you need to do this is when you're tracking each of these games, put the context behind what's going on. Oh, was this game a complete blowout where starters were being pulled or like into the season too? Like we had week 18 games where, you know, starters were being pulled at, at halftime. You know, you need to have that type of context along with like in-game injuries too. So like if a player, uh, Jonathan Taylor, the game that he had, he caught one pass, got injured, didn't play. I mean, that one would clearly catch people's attention, but stuff like that where it's like, you know, maybe those games where it's like the 30 to 40% like snap share or opportunity share or something like that, always ask the question, like why, like what happened? It's super easy to just go to a game log and be like, these are the top producers, but you miss so much of the game. And I I think an excellent example, I, I alluded to this um, when, when I said like, hey, uh, Travis Etienne is a guy that I'm super high on for 2023. My my like sleeper guy is Traylon Burks because like he flashed and it's the the unfortunate thing was like every time he started to get some momentum, he got injured. It would be mm-hmm. the concussion, uh, which that's not on him, obviously, but like groin strain. Um, there was a third injury too, where like I sit there and go outside of outside of the concussion, it's like if he could work on his conditioning uh, a little bit, like that would make me feel a little bit better because I would have like two games where I'm like, "Mm, things are going in the right direction. And he, there are things on his profile that looked pretty good uh, for his rookie season, but because he'd play three or four games at a time and then just be injured and have to start over again, it was, it was pretty rough. And where was I going with that one? Oh yeah. Like just the context, like, context. you know, so, so when you're like, those are the things you have to be careful about when you're looking at both positive and negative game uh, trends, because if you're on Twitter, just know this is the time of the year. It starts earlier and earlier. Yeah. People are going to post a tweet and they go, it's the Tyler Higby 2019 tweets over his last five games. This player was this like, what he would have, if you extrapolate uh, extrapolated across a full season, he would be, you know, the better, the best tight end ever, mm-hmm. even better than Travis Kelly, you know, stuff like that. I'm being over right. the top there, but you have to watch out for that stuff because people will use those sample sizes and they won't give you the context because it gets clicks, it gets views, it gets likes and engagements. I get it. I absolutely hate those types of tweets. I might do some of those as like a tongue in cheek one. I had one that blew up last year in the playoffs where I I had like the touchdown passing leaders where I had Travis Kelsey was a, he had one passing touchdown, Jimmy Garoppolo at zero. And I was just doing it as a funny one and it it blew up and had some people really angry, but it's, you know, it's be careful with that. Mm -hmm. I would encourage people, you see something that you want to tweet like that. If you really want to understand what's going on, is go back to those games. And, and, well, and hopefully if you do this practice, you won't really have to go back to them. You're documenting them. Mm-hmm. I, I have a column where I put 
here are the players that got injured in this game. And, you know, my next step next year is to, to start marking like when they got injured in those games, maybe by like the quarter mark, you know, right, tough to right. get it right on the dot there. But so I can go back and study and be like, okay, this player went down first quarter and that's why this guy got so many touches. So just the context of the games are good and can also be bad too. Like, be level-headed with it. Mm-hmm. Something's good, question why. If something's bad, also question why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, if you see a running back get astronomical usage, go ahead and see maybe the backup quarterback came in and he was checking down. Or maybe the game plan in general. Maybe their team was an underdog, but they had a kick return and a fumble six. All of a sudden, now they're dry, they're in the driver's seat and they're rushing the ball a ton. So I think what we're kind of talking about is context is king. The indicators are great. We love to see them. We use them, but also you need to actually fill out the context around the indicators. That's going to give you a very clear picture of what you should do based on, on the indicators that are that are popping, negative or positive. You have context and you know how to utilize that. So that's it's a great, great point. So let's get in, let's get further into the weeds. Let's get in the muck with all of our listeners and talk about who are some 2022 sell candidates, or should I say guys from 2022, some, some of the usage trends that we're selling right now as we head into the offseason. Well, the, I, I probably spoiled it because I talked about both these running backs, but like you can, I, I think the lesson to learn from both James Conner and Damian Pierce is to look at those guys that get heavy usage. I think maybe even a bolder one, you'll get more for him. It's Josh Jacobs of looking at, like he's been very productive mm-hmm. and very yeah. underrated yeah. in his career, very underrated, including by myself too. I mm-hmm. definitely like Jacobs seems unsexy, but like the hard thing is like, where does it go from here with Josh Jacobs? I mean, he finished, I don't have him pulled up here, but well, he was a one he was of the top, top five finishers, top five running back. Yeah. Like he's not going to continue. Even if he remains in Las Vegas, like I know that similar coaching staff, they may use them the same, but it's going to be really tough to replicate that type of, of just opportunities. I mean, he was always getting like 80% or more. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's tough. Like I won't go as far as to say like Derek Henry because he's a freak. He's a unicorn. Like he can he could probably do this forever. If there's any like yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like Josh Jacobs would be the sexy one that you could get the most for. But just really, it's running backs are the easy ones. Uh, the on the wide receiver side, the thing I guess to kind of watch out for is routes run. I'm probably in the minority in this one, and I think in Dynasty he's going to be fine because things are going to change quite a bit in new orleans but chris alave this past season was pretty rough in terms of just what he what he did with his opportunities was pretty good but like 25 routes run was something that he struggled to get because new orleans has never really passed the ball so it kind of capped his upside a little bit i in Dynasty, if you're to trade Alave, you're still going to want a lot, but I feel like you can capitalize on just the name mm-hmm. brand. So, man, there's some intriguing rookies coming up, too. I mean, they're, that Jackson Smith uh, in Jigba, did I pronounce that right? I think so. <laughs> JSN. Go, go with yeah, JSN to be safe. JSN. Like, he is – I mean, I know that he didn't do much this freshman season, junior season. Uh, junior season, he was injured, but that sophomore season is – mind-numbing uh so you know you might be able to kind of big brain this and be like can i trade a lave to get the draft pick to get jsn plus you know that's I, what you're looking for you're looking for the plus yeah exactly because with the lave ah, 
it's uh, I'm going to pull him up here too because he was a popular one in start sit questions where I just went you've got to sit him like he flashed extremely early which is good for rookie receivers like I'm not going to hold that against him but like the tough thing was I guess that was around the time that like Jameis Winston got hurt which is why we want the context on it. I'm pretty sure it was so after like week three like dramatic drop off in routes mm-hmm. run I'm pretty sure Winston was injured at that time so you know, you got to kind of watch some of these things. Maybe Alave is more of a hold. If you don't panic, sell them. That's for sure. But like, you don't give them away. Yeah, but like kind of temper some expectations. I think that was the key thing that like usage trends helped me with this year. Was mm-hmm. like with Alave, I started to see it. It was like that he he had over thirty routes run those first three weeks. Each of those games, remarkable. Then after that, he topped twenty five routes run. I'm counting like three times. <laughs> For the rest of the season, like out of 12 games, you know, three times. So, you know, it it was it was tough with the lobby, but just understanding it's like, yeah, he could find the end zone. And he did. And he would get you 15, 16, 17 points. But it was like those times he didn't find the end zone is just understanding that the that the floor for a lobby was closer to like eight to 10 points. Mm. And you weren't exactly thrilled about that if that was like your wide receiver two production because there just wasn't a lot of routes. You got good targets on limited routes, but just knowing that Alave, I guess, especially in DFS, you just couldn't play him in tournaments. There was no upside with Alave, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. That's a great point. My sell based on some trends from 2022 would be Evan Ingram. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a massive game. That's the, the big kind of trend that everyone's going to know was that 40 or basically 40 point game uh, in week 14, where he absolutely trashed the Tennessee Titans, basically inflated his entire season. But when you look under the hood, you pop that hood, look at some of his usage metrics. He had a 17% target share. That was 14th amongst qualified tight ends. He had 72.7 route participation rate. That was 17th amongst qualified tight end so when i see these things and i see an outlier game like that at tight end i'm thinking i can capitalize i'm thinking that people want evan ingram in a position like tight end where we're always so thirsty for the next x i mean you brought up tyler higby after those stretch of five games it was the conversation was it's it's travis kelsey and it's higby you know everyone is always so thirsty to hoist the next guy to add to the kelsey andrews hawkinson kittle you know, group. And I think Evan Ingram is not in that group talent wise, but might be considered on the back half of that group because of his end of the season. He looked good in the playoffs. Yeah. Everyone sees that. We talk about that on trade gods all the time, that every single playoff game is a primetime game. Everyone's watching. And that leads for people's perceived value to go up. So Evan Ingram, someone I'm looking to, to sell now because the usage was not as good. It wasn't as consistent. I think that the tight end seven tag that he has on a points per game basis carries. So that would be my sell, Kenny. You're saying Olave is, is someone based on his 2020 usage. You can get a lot for him. I love that yeah. call. We both talked about Damian Pierce, why he's a sell. I have him in a number of dynasties, and I'm trying my damnedest to go ahead and try to move him now because I think, like you said, Texans bring in someone, uh, someone who's better than Rex Burkhead or Dario Gumbuale or Royce Freeman, uh, which basically could be you or I. Let's face right, it. right. It's not going to take much to get past that. <laughs> Look at Cody. Cody's an athletic guy. He could probably truck a few dudes. So maybe they bring in Cody and that's better. 
Uh, so yeah, that's, that's some guys that you should sell. So that's um, exactly the type of thing I wanted to bring you on here to kind of walk everyone that tunes in uh, through that process. So that's uh, going to be the, the usage trends here. That's going to be almost the whole show. But before we go, I got a homework assignment for you guys. Just because it's the offseason doesn't mean you don't get homework. Because how do you get better if you don't practice? So what I'd like all of our listeners to do is take what you've learned here. Take some of Aaron's thoughts, some of his points that he's brought up throughout the show, and kind of apply that to the three football games that we have left. Right? We got two championship conference games, and then we got the Super Bowl. So only three games left. So take those trends that you see. It's going to be a small sample size but you can use that to practice what you're looking for context fill out all those things so use these last three football games to really start to build your mind into thinking oh okay i'm seeing this oh let me put some context to it oh now i'm really seeing the full picture so use these three games to really start building out your knowledge on usage trends and my final thought today we were talking about 22 usage I want to talk about the biggest picture, drafting in seasonal leagues. This year, like Aaron mentioned, was very weird for running backs. It was extremely weird in terms of who we were relying on, who became league winners, all that good stuff. And I think it's going to drive uh, next year's team building strategy overall to be zero RB. So I would say be ten to be a tend to be a little cautious. I don't like going with the the popular uh sentiment because I think you if you buck the trend a little bit, you kind of zig where others are zagging, that's where you can find value. I'm not saying that I don't like going Justin Jefferson first round. I'm going to do that, but I was doing that last year. This year, you're going to find pockets of value at running back because people are just going to poo-poo the running back position. So go ahead and if you're going to employ the zero RB, I would recommend maybe hero RB. Just kind of stay on top of the trend so that you can take advantage when everyone's zigging, you can zag. Any thoughts on on that, Darren? I know I'm kind of putting you in the spotlight here. We didn't really talk about that pre-show, but anything you want to add in terms of, of going into 2023 and talking about draft strategy and zero RB versus what we'll see, which is definitely going to be that. The draft strategy starts right now at the end of January. Shout out to my buddy, Chris, the EDG, the early down grinder. He's my co-host for the prediction strike show. And then he does an underdog show where I'm the co-host on that. And we've talked about this to the people that view the show that Think of Allen Robinson this past season. It's painful for all of us. Mm-hmm. I fell for it. I fell for it. I did. Of opportunities, right? Like it was the, he was with the Rams and it's this offense could be better and everything. Let's stop with that. Like oppor- those uh, situations are going to be key for maybe tiebreakers. You should start ranking players right now, kind of in a vacuum. Who are the good players? If you do these usage trends, if you look at it, you know that, okay, these are the running backs that are good, that are going to get volume. These mm-hmm. are the receivers that dominate at, at their opportunities, which for the most part is going to be routes run, targets, uh, target share, mm-hmm. that, that type of stuff. So the draft starts now. Start kind of getting your rankings together so that because over the next uh, next few months, over the next, I guess, like, what, seven, eight months, there's going to be people are going to come out with stories, the stats that are going to affect your Thinking of players. Mm-hmm. I fell for Russell Gage. That's an, another example where it's Tom Brady offense, kind of slot receiver. He likes those guys. Yep. You know, when you start ranking the players now, where you're like in a vacuum, these are the good players. These are the next tier all the way to these guys are just garbage. <laughs> not garbage. They are professionals. The garbage uh, Exactly. And uh, 
do best ball drafts. Best ball drafts will help you with a strategy. I never go into a draft going, okay, I'm going to, this is going to be my zero running back build or robust RB or hero Mm -hmm. running back. Honestly, the first three rounds of a draft, they, the draft kind of go with what the draft gives you. And then you can build your team from there. Is there a correct build over, um, over the others? I wouldn't say so. I think it's just a matter of when, whatever your build is, it's got to be logical. Don't fall for, I know it's kind of, it sounds weird to say this. Don't fall for the ADP values. Mm -hmm. I know that seems strange. There will be a pick where you go, I can't believe player X fell 12, uh, 12 picks below ADP. Mm -hmm. I've got to pick them. No, if it doesn't make sense with your build, don't force it. Don't force the, what is it? Don't force the square uh, the, the square oh, peg into the round hole. Yeah, exactly. Thank yeah. you. My my mind short circuited <laughs> there, but you know, like have a build. Yeah. Kind of know after the first like three or four rounds, you kind of know what team you've got, and you should practice different builds so you should know that okay, I've only got X amount of draft picks. I if I go robust RB, truth be told, if I took RB in the first three rounds, I might only need one more running back the rest of this draft. Right. Because you can still use waiver wire to pick it up. And like every late round pick you use on running back is pointless if you drafted three running backs in the first three rounds. Be logical about it. Don't fall for ADP values. That will be how you consistently finish as like third or fourth place in your leagues, but not first. (laughs) (laughs) You want those first place finishes because that's where you make your money. So that's our final thought, and that's episode 21. Before we bid you adieu, Aaron, please tell these fine listeners where they can find you on social and where they can find all your work. All right, on social, I'm primarily on Twitter. You can find me at AaronStew09, but also on TikTok with the Player Profiler account, I go live. I do AMAs. Like it's your chance to ask any questions, any Mm -hmm. fantasy football, any NFL questions. I take questions there. I join Jason, friend of the show, right? I join Mm -hmm. him on Instagram. We have been going live about four times a week. Same thing, AMAs. We want to answer the questions that the underworld has for us. And on top of that, Discord, Discord as well. We've got the two shows, an underdog show and a prediction strike show. Probably in the offseason, we're just going to kind of put the two together because there's probably not enough content in the offseason to have two separate shows. But you can find me there on Discord. I'm live everywhere these days, it seems. But yes, and YouTube, uh, I usually hop on as a guest for some of the different shows, too. Absolutely. So make sure you are subscribed if you're not already to the Player Profiler YouTube channel. Make sure you smash that like button right here and join the Discord, people. Playerprofiler.com slash chat gets you in the Discord where all the members of the underworld, me, Aaron, Jason, Cody, the Podfather, we're there and we're talking fantasy 24-7. So if you like fantasy football, get your ass in there because we'd love to talk fantasy with you. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Matty Kiwum. I got articles coming out on playerprofiler.com. Make sure you tune in to the trade gods with me and my co-host Jason Allwine are breaking down dynasty trades all off season. That comes out every Thursday night. So that's Aaron. I'm Matty Kiwum. Guys, keep game planning, and I'll talk to you next week. Peace.